Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a shrieking white-hot sphere of pure rage to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the appeal to freedom. Yeah, so the appeal to freedom yeah. is is one of our it's fallacies a, that we've identified. It's a multiple of 11. Yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. This is episode 110. So these are the ones where we look at fallacies that could be identified by anyone, but we've spotted them and we're giving them a name because that's how this works. And in this case, I don't know how well Mark has found British examples. I haven't listened to them yet. Right. But this feels to me like a kind of uniquely American thing or a a largely American thing in terms of the value that is placed on freedom. Well, yeah, yeah. And the, the feeling that, if something, no matter whether it is kind of inherently freedom-ish, yeah. it, if it's something that you identify as freedom, yeah, then it then it is inherently a good thing and something yeah. that you should be entitled to. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and it ends and the argument ends there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and if and if you're in any way thwarting my um, access to it, then you're in yeah. the wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is where people try and back up their arguments or their claims or their position with uh, the the fact that freedom, if ruled on adequately, <laughs> would would clearly make it this is in your favour and, and should be correct. And obviously, just obviously, yeah. uh, should be how, how you see freedom. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. tends to be people's personal freedoms. Again, where where it's Republicans invoking it, Mm-hmm. Uh, it won't be a surprise to anyone to find that that they value their own personal freedom somewhat yeah. more than the freedom of other society as a whole, <laughs> or even just other individuals <laughs> with their yeah. right to individual freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that is our first example, where Trump in April of 2020 tweeted the simple tweet: "Liberate Michigan." Right. This was a, a, a series of similar tweets, a triptych. Yeah, right. At the time of of, <laughs> yeah. of different states, yeah. where he was oh, he was arguing just been against an artwork all along. I yeah, see. right. Yeah, he was arguing against governors who were taking responsible steps to limit COVID. Yeah, and yeah. this was seen negatively by people who wanted to downplay COVID, and and their drooling followers there. Yeah, and they're drooling followers and wanting to play up their freedom to just be not compliant and yeah. and go and infect anybody. They wanted to be free to be able to infect whoever they wanted, Absolutely. wherever they because wanted that's, to. Because that's their right, and any infringement of that yeah. would be seen as, as treasonous in some cases. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I have a clip from a documentary called American Selfie, Right, which was made by Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, who yeah. is actually a, a documentarian. She didn't just kind of Nancy didn't get her daughter to just pick up a camera and go around America interviewing people. So this is her job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she did a kind of snapshot of America in 2020, 
It's called American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself. Nice. And this is one of the, the people that she spoke to. It's, it's just complete treason. It's complete treason to tell small businesses to close down and to force people to close down. You know, we've lifted a plague with a black death. We've had all these big things go on. Not once our rights were stripped away from us. It's your right. It's businesses' rights to stay open. And that's how I personally feel about it. Yeah. We had the black death and our, it's our right. No, we didn't. We had our right. No, well, yeah, there is that. Well, yeah. well, you say that because I have seen the oldest graveyard in Boston and there are one or two graves to people from the 1600s who died of the Black Death. Fair enough. I yeah. suspect okay. they brought it that with them from Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then died of it. Yeah, but, you know, their rights to open their business and infect other infect their, their own customers, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. wasn't infringed at all. Yeah. Well, you know, no one yeah, knows I mean, what that was. Yeah, I mean, he's saying it is a, a business's right to stay open. And it isn't. There isn't anything in the Constitution about that. No. There isn't. <laughs> no. It's just the fact that if freedom were real, were a real thing that we definitely had, that would be something I'm allowed to do. Yeah. And sure, but that's not how it works. No. And you know, it's, it's other people's right to be free of the risk of being breathed on by a self-centred, selfie-shooting shop owner who's open anyway. Which is going, yeah. yeah, just come in, come in and get your COVID. Come get your COVID, get it whilst it's hot. We'll breathe it on you. you know, it, it, and it is that that kind of attitude which has led to um, uh, immense numbers of hours watching amusedly TikToks of Karens going into mm -hmm. shops and demanding f f courtesy of made-up laws that they spouted at people that they'd be allowed into the shop. And then the, and the shop owner's going, no, you know, it's our right. <laughs> it's our right because this is our shop not to allow you into the shop. Absolutely. And they're going, no, no, it's, you're breaking federal law. You know, it's, it's not free. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're a sheep. You should be free. Going, well, we freely choose to not let you in. Yeah. And that's part of the problem with the appeal to freedom. Yeah. Is that two people who have diametrically opposite opinions can both invoke freedom yeah and one person's ability to act in a certain way because they have freedom is is a, infringed on by, by another person's ability to act in a particular way because they have freedom yeah free, freedom yeah. yeah it must inherently have limitations yeah because it does it doesn't work as we'll see in some of our examples later <laughs> on so our second example from trump is a common thing that is spouted by Republicans. As the radical left inflict violence on American streets, they're also waging war on timeless American values like freedom of speech, which is what we're just talking about. Anyone who dares to speak the truth is canceled, censored, deplatformed, fired, expelled, harassed, abused, boycotted, deprived of a livelihood, or even physically assaulted. Those times will be changing very soon. <laughs> yeah, he invokes freedom of speech. Yeah. Which, I mean, the people who do this, who say, you know, my freedom of speech is being infringed, mm -hmm. in most cases, 
I don't know. I don't. Maybe in most cases don't understand. Maybe. Right. But in some cases do understand and are just lying about it. They're just using this phrase because, again, it's yeah. a freedom that they feel entitled to. Yeah. But, but obviously freedom of speech in terms of the Constitution, in terms of law, is about the government not infringing on your ability to be able to say stuff. Yeah. And even within that, there are limits. Yeah. But saying that you don't have freedom of speech if there are consequences when you say something horrendously racist or homophobic or whatever yeah. is, is to fundamentally not understand that freedom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that private companies can not platform you and and not in, amplify your speech. Awful. Yeah. 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 Is is nothing to do with whether you have freedom of speech. If the government yeah. aren't coming in and stopping you from saying stuff they don't want you to say, then your freedom of speech is not being infringed. Yes. Because yes, because you're doing it in a private sphere and what he's trying to do is is walk into the shop of Twitter without a mask on and broadcast heinous um, racism and they're going actually if you look at the sign on the door you're not allowed to come in here without a mask yeah so we're going to ask you to leave and if you don't leave we're going to throw you out and won't let you back in again that's fundamentally what they're saying because we've chosen as a private enterprise to not allow that kind of stuff so you're complaining in on a public platform as a publicly elected officer representative of the free America, and then to complain that he's, because of his horrendous racism, he's been deplatformed from a private enterprise, is taking the freedom to do that a bit too far. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in his case, he was deplatformed for inciting violence. Oh yeah, that yeah, fermenting <laughs> yeah. revolution. Yeah, yes, exactly. it's not. That's yeah. not to say he wasn't horrendously racist on Twitter, <laughs> but that wasn't what they had a problem. No, with. that was right. <laughs> Yeah. And finally from Trump, yeah. we have his weird claim about Article 2 of the Constitution. Then I have an Article 2 where I have the right to do whatever I want as president, but I don't even talk about that. He does talk about it. Yeah. He talks about <laughs> it quite a lot. Bloody time. Yeah. He, try, he uses that <laughs> as the freedom to do as I want. But I don't talk about that. Well, that's because it doesn't yeah. exist. It's, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't say that. It doesn't no. say... <laughs> There is an article, article two, section three. That. President can do whatever he likes. Whatever he likes. Whatever he likes. <laughs> yeah. And he can take anything anywhere. And as soon as he does, it's declassified. Or he could just keep it because he's entitled to. It's fine. And nobody can say anything because he's the president. Yeah. yeah. It's the now, Trump this is rewritten just a, one. Rewritten this is another with a one of those like, well, I, I, I'm president, so I should be allowed to do whatever I like. So here's my argument that I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm free to because I ought to be allowed to, in my opinion, and yeah. therefore I have. So it's an accelerated truth, all, <laughs> all in that tiny little sentence. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. It comes to something when you miss the sound of Boris Johnson's voice. That's, that's <laughs> oh, Where are you, Boris? As you say, it's a more nuanced, deep-seated um, sleight of hand going on in British politics when they invoke freedom as an argument preventing appeal. So I've taken all of my examples from Liz Truss's speech to the Tory party conference. 
was it only this week? It was only this week. And basically, I think it's entirely an appeal to freedom. I've got three clips to play, which pretty much sum up her position throughout. So I'm going to build on my thesis from this first clip. That is what conservatism is about. It's a belief in freedom, in fair play, and the great potential of the British people. Note also that in Truss's Britain, potential has an R in it. So it's the, mm. the great potential. Fundamentally, what she's stating is that conservatives stand for freedom, by which she means freedom from big government. She recently reduced the sugar tax. There was a sugar tax imposed by Cameron's government to offset the health impacts on individuals and the health service. And she is characterising that as an imposition on personal freedom. She described it later on in the speech as, I'm not interested in how many two-for-one offers you buy at the supermarket. So she's strawmanning the whole thing. I'm not interested in virtue signalling, apart from the fact it was a Conservative policy, and quite a good one, because the tax that was raised went to the NHS, probably to people's pockets, but was a it was a... A health tax on sugary drinks. That's a kind of a good thing. And also freedom from big government, big government means that this government is free actually from giving a shit about health, transport, energy or education. All that can be subject to market forces and thereby being themselves free from responsibility for any of that or subsequently any of the welfare of their constituents. She is setting up this idea that the Conservatives are for freedom. You want freedom. We want freedom. We're not going to interfere in your lives, which is a cipher for actually we're going to privatise everything that government ought to be responsible for. And what happened since the last time that was espoused by Thatcher in the 80s, we've got an energy crisis, a health crisis, transport crisis, an education crisis, prices outstripping wages as the public so-called ha-ha services are being run for the benefit of private shareholders and not the service users. Like windfall tax on the billionaire energy companies to pay for the energy crisis. So the, her, her thesis is building, so let's play clip number two. Free democracies need strong economies. Economic growth makes us strong at home and strong abroad. And we need an economically sound and secure United Kingdom. And that will mean challenging those who try to stop growth. I will not allow the anti-growth coalition to hold us back. God, listen to how bored she is by yeah. what she's saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is freedom equals growth. So basically, free democracies need strong economies. OK, that's become a statement of fact. This is this accelerated truth going on here, too. You know, there's no explanation of why that might be the case. She's just put those four or five words together. So in, so in order to be free, we need to have a strong economy. And those people who argue, who, like, who are against like fracking and for workers' rights and for the minimum <laughs> wage and for the regulations on the casino behaviour of bankers and for the right to unionise and strike, those people are now members of the new enemy that she's invented, the anti-growth coalition. So there's the, there's the accelerated truth going on. Democracy needs to be free. Freedom equals growth. And anyone who disagrees is therefore against growth 
and therefore against freedom. I think you don't need to worry about the anti-growth coalition because by definition they can never really get much bigger. Can yes, they? no, they, that's right. They, it, they can't really get big enough to threaten you. No, because if there's like, you know, if yeah. you like two or three of them, not yeah. really anything to worry about because they're going, well, there's far too many of us <laughs> yeah. in this we coalition. We don't want any more of us. don't want any more in this coalition. <laughs> they would disappear in a puff of logic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So her thesis continues with the third clip. And we're seizing the newfound freedoms outside the European Union. We're the party who got Brexit done, and we will realise on the promise of Brexit. It pulls us back to the fact that Brexit gave us freedom from the EU. So she's, um, she's saying, yeah, you know those pesky things like the sugar tax and all that kind of stuff. You see, that's, that was a freedom that got taken away from you. The whole of Tory policies, fundamentally, and the, and the whole going into Brexit was this was setting up the idea that there's this thing that's been taken away from you that we are going to get back for you on your behalf. It's the only thing we ever do on your behalf. We don't do health, transport, education, and energy or anything like that on your behalf. No, what we'll do, we'll go and get all those things that are taken away from you. We'll take them away from you. <laughs> in the inside the country, yeah, we'll take away nationalised transport, nationalised energy, nationalised health, nationalised education. We'll privatise all that. We'll take all of that away from you. But what you to focus over there from these things that were taken away from you, the freedom to have as much sugar as you like at the checkout, the freedom to have bent bananas. We're going to take it. We're going to get that back from you. So they set this thing up. That's the only way that Brexit could ever have worked is to say we've got to do Brexit because there's something we don't have and we are going to get it back for you. None of which is true, by the way. But the but the main thing was the freedom to protect the pound, protect the borders, protect the fish, you know, do what we fucking like. And these newfound freedoms include the freedom to play fast and loose with the economy, for instance, but the thing is, along with freedom, we, the voting public society, also treasure like security, dignity and justice. But Brexit means freedom from the pesky European Court of Human Rights with all its possibility of ultimately being appealed to and override deportations of, say, refugees to Rwanda as being fundamentally inhuman. Bloody woke brigade. And we'd like to be free to own our own homes without having to worry that the second that Hopeless Trust opens their mouth to help our party funding mates, we end up losing our own homes or having to pay twice as much for our own homes as we did under the fiscally responsible Conservatives ooh, maybe just a week ago. <laughs> and, 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 of course, if you lose your home or at the right to access a home or an offer for a mortgage that's now been withdrawn you're then not going to be the the kind of voters that would vote the conservatives and consequently you will then be homeless burdensome anti-growth you'll, you'll be part of the anti-growth coalition and also of course we would like to have the freedom of speech the freedom to disagree with what you're saying without being tarred as an enemy 
and also the freedom to protest. But of course, if you disagree with these growth policies, then you are anti-freedom and ought not to be allowed to say so, nor take to the street to let others know that they're being duped. Or even the freedom to hold up a blank sign. A blank sign, no. (laughs) You see, that's Remainer talk, that is. So we've got new enemy. We've moved on from Remainers. We've now got the anti-growth coalition. (laughs) This is because the people who are now in charge of the government the, so the Brexit they're talking about that they got done isn't the Brexit that they got done. And the Brexit that got done now, what Brexit is moves with whoever's in power. Theresa May said Brexit is Brexit. Brexit means Brexit. And Boris Boris's Brexit is different from the left. The left's Brexit. I know people who are big union representatives. Uh, for the labor movement and they all that kind of, and they wanted to get out of the eu because they thought it was unaccountable and you couldn't vote the representatives into the european union none of which was true but that was their perception so they thought that coming out of brexit those people on the left thought coming out of brexit would make it more representational and more votable inable um and the, it isn't the Brexit that the old Conservatives wanted, you know, the return to the White Cliffs of Dover, the crack of leather against Willow in a whiter, gentler, shorter-haired, more deferential, respectful, pre-Carnaby Street Britain. So that's the that's the Brexit that Boris was appealing to with his, you know, Spitfires and, and Vera Lynn and all that kind of stuff. And the NHS and all those very British things, pre-European British inventions. But now the Brexit we've got is the one that the hard right, self-serving, post-satirite, no such thing as society radicals wanted, which is the freedom to make unfettered millions without having to abide by European or any currency, trade, employment or tax laws. And that's so the thing you'll, you'll see in the press which is describing these free trade zones which are being set up around the coastal areas of Britain, which are basically don't have to abide by any employment law, hardly any tax law. They're called development zones. It's part of the this idea that England, Britain, can become like Singapore on Thames. Yeah, so it's, it's this weird rampant deregulation thing yeah just for very specific situations yeah yeah and it's and the idea that you can that the the regulations in the regulations that are in place have been imposed by the eu in order to take away our freedom and that freedom is to employ who the fuck we like for as little amount as we want fire them when we can don't allow them to strike. Don't allow them to take part in any of the pay um, conversations. And not be, worry about their health and safety. No, and be and, and yeah, exactly, and be and be vilified as enemies if they disagree. Yeah. And yet, trust in the same speech wanted to build a high wage, high growth society. Well, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't have people that are happy to go to work. If they if their pay rise pay deals are worked out independently of them, so I think we need a T-shirt for the anti-growth coalition. Yeah, um, 
I think if if anyone's got any good slogans, mm. let us know. We'll put it on a yeah. shirt. Yeah, the ugly growth co- coalition. <laughs> we have a coalition of people who have got ugly growth. <laughs> we got, and then clearly I'm going to name my ugly growth truss from now on. Yeah. Requested by one of our awesome people connected <laughs> to us on the Facebook group. Rebecca Klingbeal posted something in our Facebook group uh, that she had had that earworm she'd kind of invented <laughs> going around. So I thought, oh, well, that's this week sorted out then. <laughs> so there you go. That's for you, Rebecca. <laughs> so in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from South Park. Yay! And this was just the first clip that, immediately leapt to mind when i thought about doing this fallacy mm-hmm. uh, this is an episode where uh stan's dad randy has been getting into fights at baseball games basically at little league games about which which team is better and uh this is as he's being taken away by the police for what arresting me for what i'm not allowed to stand up for myself i thought this was america huh isn't this america I'm sorry, I thought this was America. <laughs> and he's all beaten up and he trousers around his ankle as his shirt's torn off. It's brilliant. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Can I not, am I not free to be able to pick a fight with losing parents? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's this idea that because America, it's a free country, it's free free society, yeah. Yeah. so you should just be allowed to get away with whatever you want to do. Yeah, and uh, you know, is, isn't this America being being arrested yeah. for just, just purely fighting? For, for yeah. fighting? Yeah. yeah, no signs up. No signs <laughs> up. Didn't say I couldn't. Yeah, and a very similar uh, invocation comes from our second example, which is from Desperate Housewives. This is one of the first episodes where Susan meets her father, Addison. And he gets arrested. Solicitation? You were arrested for solicitation? It was entrapment. I'm the victim here. But but you were with a prostitute. Apparently not. I asked her three times, are you a cop? They got to tell you, but she didn't say boo. I thought this was America. Addison, 
you just got caught paying for sex, now is not the time to wrap yourself in the flag. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, now's not the time to wrap yourself in the flag. And he got, because that's what Trump did, didn't he? With those kind of weird <laughs> flag hugging things and uh -huh. hugging Tories, yeah. draped flags all around the back of their Zoom calls. Yeah, you've just got wrecked for paying for sex. <laughs> now's not the time. Yeah, so that, that idea, as all opening arguments listeners will know, that idea yeah. that if you ask, if an undercover cop is a cop, they got it. They have to tell you. Mm, mm. <laughs> that is yeah. not true. No, uh, but it seems to be a weirdly widely held belief. Same with spies. Uh -huh. You know, you yeah. Kind of say, Are you a spy? I mean, and I go, no. Imagine you know, if it you. was true. Undercover cops wouldn't be a thing because no. <laughs> anyone, any any yeah. criminal who ever did anything, yeah, it, like in the presence of a person they didn't already know yeah. would say are you a cop and that would be the They'll end get up at the end of the game yeah i'm ah oh, right okay well we'll just stop you'll have to go then <laughs> yeah they go we're just going to stop doing what we're doing we're not going to invite you into this, to uh -huh. this drug deal oh man what am i saying yeah 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 the whole of reservoir dogs the plot yeah. for that would be shot wouldn't it yeah 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 so yeah uh that not doesn't thing. it's not a thing yeah and our final example comes from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And in fact, this entire episode is about the concept of freedom and, and, and America and all of that. You're blowing smoke directly in my face when I'm trying to talk to you. What is he talking about? You know, if you want to smoke, you should have to take it outside. That's it. Oh, it. It's no. a bar. Yeah. yeah, it's a bar, dude. Well, but you know what, Charlie? I think you're right. I think maybe we should ban smoking in here. Oh, what? come on. What? That's completely ridiculous, dude. How is that ridiculous? There's smoking bans in a lot of states now. Uh, yes, and it's completely un-American. If you don't like smoke, then don't come into the bar. I work in this bar. Well, I work here. But that's because you have the freedom to choose to work here, okay? Smoking bans, they don't protect freedom. They strip them away from smokers. Look, I didn't go to Vietnam just to have pansies like you take my freedom away from me. You went to Vietnam in 1993 to open up a sweatshop. And a lot of good men died in that sweatshop. <laughs> so, so, such a good line. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... There's a clash of freedoms. Absolutely. And this, yeah. and this yeah. whole episode, Charlie is, is kind of campaigning against smoking in a way and arguing from a patriotic American point of view that, oh. that you know, it's his freedom not to have to put up with smoking meanwhile dennis and mac decide that they are going to have complete freedom in the bar in paddy's they are just gonna have no rules at all they're gonna open past you know licensing hours yeah. um frank convinces them to have gambling in the bar and it obviously gets out of hand <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> because when you say we're not going to have any rules, stuff starts happening that you think, oh, I don't know, maybe we should have some rules because yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, going yeah. really badly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and it all goes to hell. So they, they end up deciding that actually they kind of do need some of the rules and this was all a horrible mistake because unfettered freedom is not sustainable. No, because it, yes, it becomes a clash of all sorts of different freedoms, yes. So before we move on to fake news this week, I want to give yep. an update on our midterm Patreon donation kind of drive, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. We were hoping that people would sign up to be patrons and increase their patron pledges so that mm. we can um, donate all of our patron dollars for this episode, we're going to match that, and then my employer is going to match that donation. So we will end up wow. quadrupling any donations for this episode. And uh, yep. thank you 
to everyone who has stepped up. We have some new patrons. So yeah. uh, Frank, Rene Z, and Rebecca Klingbeal, who we already mentioned. Yep. Also, a couple of upgrades from Amber R. Buchanan and Janet Yutta, who has upgraded all the way to true Scotsman level for this episode. Wow. So wow. thank you very much to you guys. Oh, and yeah, obviously thank you so to much. all of the patrons who are already our patrons. Yeah. And because of that, we're currently at $141 for this episode. So yep. we'll be matching that. My employers will be matching that. And so over $560 will be going wow. to when Excellent. we all vote uh, to help them with the last kind of push of getting out mm-hmm. of the vote at this point in the yep. election race. Yep. Obviously, the main thing that you can do, whether you've been a part of that or not, is to get out and vote. Yeah. So don't forget to do that. Yeah, and help other people, remind other people yeah. to do exactly the same thing. So we're going we're gonna to play... Fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, see, I've worked out that what you're doing in denying me complete success up to this point is actually frustrating my individual freedom to be what Britain needs right now, a free, successful country of individuals who only care about winning rather than, say, facts or fairness (laughs) or or playing by the rules. And and saying that, I'm now aware that that's where my argument falls (laughs) to the ground. Well, fortunately, I have the freedom to do that to you, so that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. And I respect your freedom. <laughs> and don't say I don't, because anything otherwise is infringing my freedom to say <laughs> I respect your freedom to infringe my freedom. So our theme this week is actually that these are all from a rally that happened less than 24 hours ago as we record oh, this. my word. Wow. This was Trump's rally in Nevada. Obviously, among all of the many things he talked bullshit about. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the main things was the, the whole Naralago document thing. Right. And one of his arguments was that all of the other presidents have done the same thing. And, okay. he, <laughs> and right. so he shouldn't yeah. be uh he shouldn't be singled out. Singled out yeah. unfairly. Yeah. And so these are some of the things he said. Mm-hmm. Statement number one. When will they investigate and prosecute Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, George Bush and look into what took place with George Bush's father, a very nice man, and the warehouse of documents? And what about Barack Hussein Obama? Are they under potential prosecution? I don't think so. I don't think they are. A Chinese restaurant at a bowling alley with no security and a broken front door. Okay. Apropos of what? Uh It's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Statement number two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Under the yep. Sox decision, by the way, they actually call it the Sox decision, having to do with Bill Clinton, there is no crime. Same thing as what we have, except his was much more egregious. Ours was nothing. There is no crime, and they should give me back everything that they've taken. Under the Sox agreement, I'm allowed to keep what I want. It's personal. It's personal. Likewise, under the Presidential Records Act, everything should come back and there is no crime. Ours was nothing. Ours was nothing. It's a mere back. <laughs> Our crime... Navi, wasn't a crime. Let's give it back at everything because I'm allowed to keep what I want because I'm the president and I can do what I like. Statement number Article three. Two. Yeah. 
It's just a process. Yeah. Every single other president was treated differently. Obama took millions of documents and left them in an abandoned furniture store in a bad part of Chicago. Just left them there for months and months. You never hear about that. But we have a two-tier system of justice and the American people are sick of it. I'm talking on behalf of you because they're acting like it's some huge crime. What? Well, it is. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Oh, no. It's just... Awful, isn't it? Okay, right. So there's the, there's Obama. The documents left him in an abandoned furniture store, not a bowling alley, <laughs> a Chinese restaurant with no security front front broken front door. Okay, so he's yeah yeah. Remind me of the lie I just said. I can't remember <laughs> where he said he kept them. Okay, so yeah, socks decision. I don't know, something in a way he likes the sound of that makes it sound real. Okay. That, mm, very nice. But that very nice man aside is very Trump. Okay. Every single other present. Just left him there for months and months. Never hear about that. I'm talking on behalf of you because I, okay. Having said very nice man, I, I think number one is the one that you made up okay you think the uh yeah. the the chinese restaurant bowling alley i made up yeah yeah <laughs> you see you can't, you're just saying that you can, yeah i'm doubting it now but okay. yes i do i do so the other two which you made that one up i think the socks decision i'm more convinced by okay and uh number two yeah is yeah Real. Under the Sox decision, <laughs> no, they actually call it the Sox decision, having to do with Bill Clinton, there is no crime. Same thing as what we have, except his was much more egregious. Ours was nothing. There is no crime, and they should give me back everything that they've taken. Under the Sox agreement, I'm allowed to keep what I want. It's personal. It's first. Likewise, under the Presidential Records Act, everything should come back, and there is no crime. But the, but the Presidential Records Act means that nothing can be taken. Yeah, the Presidential Records Act specifically requires the National Archives to take control of all presidential records. Yeah. On inauguration day, the, that, new, the new president is inaugurated. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah that's so nothing. Yeah. Not true. That's, that's not. That's not true. That's what is the socks? Well, no one the calls it the socks decision. He says, "Yeah, they right. actually call it the socks, the socks, the socks decision, or the socks agreement." I call it that. I call it that. Now everybody calls it that. Yeah. No. What he's referring to, it's a lawsuit yeah. that was brought by Judicial right. Watch, which is a right-wing organisation, against the National Archives, again uh, trying to get the National Archives to take control of some audio tapes that were made by an author called uh, Taylor Branch who who interviewed right. Bill Clinton over years over during during right. time he was at the White House and after for I'm not I don't think it was for his memoirs I think it was for a book that Branch was writing and ultimately came out with called The Clinton Tapes and yeah some of those tapes were held by Bill Clinton apparently in his sock drawer at some point, and so that's why they he kind of <laughs> that's why equated it with the yeah the socks decision. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Judicial Watch was was saying that these tapes that belong to the author, that were his research material, basically, were presidential records because some of the recordings were made while Clinton was president. And yeah. therefore, the National Archives should have access, should have control of them, and Clinton shouldn't. And they, as a private organisation, should be able to access them through the archives. Right, right. And they should be essentially made public. The The court said that's not how things work. No. Because these, <laughs> okay, yeah. these aren't presidential records. They aren't stuff yeah. that Clinton was doing in the course of his presidency that he presidential was Duke, yeah. getting, make, you know, having created or creating himself or being shown or anything of all of the stuff yeah. that makes things presidential records. Presidential. This yeah. was him giving interviews to it. a reporter, to a, an author, yeah. who was recording those interactions. So, yeah. so the court said no. We we not only aren't going to, we would have no way of making the National Archives take control of these things. Yeah. Um, and and so Trump reckons that because the court said then the archives can't take control of this author's research material. That right. means all of the definitely presidential records that he took. Yeah, and stuffed in a yeah. similarly um, <laughs> innocuous drawer. Therefore, yeah. those aren't subject yeah. to the National Archive reclaiming yeah. them as part of the presidential record. Right, oh. He's, yeah, he reckons yeah. it's some kind of precedent that means he didn't yeah. commit a crime, which is, it yeah. almost doesn't need to be said, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, or in logical <laughs> terms, it's a kind of, it's an incomplete analogy, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Or it's a, yeah. Yeah. Or it's, yes, certainly an incorrect yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when has that ever <laughs> stood in his way? Just go, look, they didn't do that to them. And that's, you know, just all you need to say, stand there and go, Bill Clinton. And everybody goes, ooh. And they go, me. And everybody goes, yeah. <laughs> that's all he needs to do. Yeah. That's basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, George, George Soros, ooh. Me. Yay. That's, uh -huh. yeah. That, yeah. So he's kind of. Okay. And, and there were points yeah. at the rally where he pretty much did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. So yeah. you also think yeah. that statement number three is real? And statement number three, yeah, is yeah, yeah, fake news. Oh man, good work. Oh, you see, that's because it's it's much tidier than the <laughs> other one. You see, are they? Mm. That, yeah, he did. It, he did mention the abandoned furniture store, <laughs> right? That yeah. he claims yeah. Obama stored records in. Which I mean, for it, calling it an abandoned furniture store is not accurate. It right. was a warehouse oh, really? <laughs> that at yeah. some point in the past had been a furniture store, but had been right. now become an, a National Archives warehouse where people well, from the National Archives... Yeah, yeah. store was, in, was abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the National Archives took over this facility in Chicago right. because at, after every... And this is we'll get to this when we talk about the Chinese restaurant bowling alley place... Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after every presidential term, uh, or, or yeah. you know, two terms if they're a two-term president, when the yeah. archives starts to um, weed out some oh, some yeah, stuff yeah. for the presidential library, 
what they do is they send stuff to a warehousing facility near where the library is going to be. And in Obama's case, yeah. that's Chicago. And so the National Archives, in I think the February before Obama left office, uh, leased this warehouse in um, right. Hoffman Estates in Chicago, which is not a bad part of Chicago. It's a, it's a yeah. perfectly nice village in Illinois. <laughs> that doesn't have any Trump buildings. Yeah, and the warehouse that's just happened to bad. be, uh, you know, formerly a, a furniture warehouse or a furniture store. It's got to be a fairly large yeah space to be able to sort through the absolutely stuff. and it was and it was um controlled entirely by the national archives staff they yeah. they took all the stuff there they looked after the stuff there they secured it there yeah. and they, they and they sorted yeah. through the stuff and yeah. in the same way that's what you do the whole <laughs> of the yeah the archive in itself would take the archive function and all of its attendant security yeah. to a facility that's yeah. You know, they wouldn't just go. Oh yeah, we're going to get abandoned furniture <laughs> store workers yeah. to just go through it. You know, prior to some sort of insurance fire. Yeah, for yeah, and that's what we'll do. We'll just <laughs> mail it. We'll just mail it there in the hope it all gets there. Yeah, and that was also what happened with George H. W. Bush, which was what led to this. When will they investigate and prosecute Bill Clinton? Hillary Clinton, George Bush, and look into what took place with George Bush's father, a very nice man, and the warehouse of documents. And what about Barack Hussein Obama? Are they under potential prosecution? I don't think so. I don't think they are. A Chinese restaurant in a bowling alley with no security and a broken front door. So <laughs> That's a kind of, it's like, it's like a Scorsese um, <laughs> Uh, screenplay, uh -huh. isn't it? That's exterior Chinese bowling, Chinese <laughs> restaurant bowling alley with no security, broken front door. We push in to a close up of Jack Nicholson who walks in from the rain under the neon, <laughs> the flashing neon light that says bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is with reference to George H. W. Bush uh, and his presidential materials project, which is what they call the process of turning presidential records into a presidential library there was an article in uh, august of 1993 i think this was the washington post talked to a guy called david Alsobrook, who was acting director of the bush presidential materials project about this process and mm -hmm. and it's headlined uh, the trip down bush's memory lane starts humbly in old bowling alley so right. Trump characterised it as a bowling alley slash Chinese restaurant with no security and a broken front door. Those bits he appears just to be making up. Yeah, because, but, yeah I'm not. Yeah, I mean, you'll yeah, be I shocked. Thought, I thought somebody had made it uh -huh. up. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but yeah um, the article says, I've had, David Osobrook says, I had inquiries from former White House staffers saying, I just want to know which lane my papers are on. We can't really tell them that. There aren't any lanes anymore. No gutters, no pins, no beer. Thanks to a rush remodeling job, there are a few simple offices, a massive fire-resistant vault, and row after row of steel shelves filled with cardboard boxes and wooden crates. So yeah. yeah, it's a it was a big building space. Yes. that used to be a bowling alley. It yes. used to be a strip mall basically that had a bowling yeah. alley. Yeah, and they took it over and they secured yeah. it. It's a big, got a big <laughs> floor space. Uh huh. 
Yeah. And that, and you'd secure it. They put lots of shelving yeah. up, they got lots of boxes, and they started going through all of the stuff uh, in a place yeah. in Texas close to where the Bush Library was going to be. Yeah. Um, because that's how that process works. That's... When when it when it was Clinton's turn, it was an old uh, car dealership in Arkansas that they took over, yeah, and turned into a warehouse, big floor space, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of you'd want to do that, wouldn't you? You wouldn't do it in a a walk-in safe, even wouldn't be big enough. You want no. somewhere where you can spread some papers out and look at them, yeah, and work out which, which of these are things keep, that um, need to which, be in a library yeah. and which are the things <laughs> yeah. that we need to store away but yeah. yeah in no cases were they transported to these people's houses or left unsecured no. or no. not no. under the complete control of the archivist and consequently <laughs> they are not therefore under threat of prosecution no. because they didn't break the law when they left office they left everything in the office just got yeah. into the car and went none of these are even a little bit comparable to what trump did all of which yeah. means, unfortunately, you uh, uh, you did not oh, get man. it right this time. So you remain you've, you've on stolen my freedom to win from me one, <laughs> on one more time. You see, that was a, see the first one got me. It was the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, it was. It was. That it was got too me many, when I heard it. Yeah, it I know was, uh... too many, too many things. You go, no, that can't be true. Whereas the abandoned furniture store, it was true, and it was. I'm talking on behalf of you. <laughs> much more. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. I'm mm. going to have to work harder at this. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, it's we're only on a hundred of them. I ought to have worked it out by now. Yeah. Oh man! Support comes from the "I'm Not Allowed to Watch the News" podcast. The host of the show is a holder of unpopular opinions on topics ranging from politics to health care to foreign policy to what foreign accent you should use when talking to your dog. When the news is on, he tends to rant. It scares the dogs. So his wife revoked his news-watching privileges. So he went and started this podcast. That'll teach her. Go to notalloweddtowatchthenews.com and find out what all the fuss is about. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Culture Wars, an Autological Fallacy, because although there's basically yeah. always culture wars we could be talking about, it seems like this week it's been, it's been yeah. a little bit. <laughs> and we're not, we're not even talking about Black Little Mermaid yeah. Yeah. or the fact that they're doing purple M&Ms now, and apparently that's right. a problem. Yeah. Because purple is for inclusion. Yeah. And Republicans are like and all, fuck yeah. inclusion. And also in the UK, so... the thing, the other thing that people are up in arms about is that the Quality Street tin of toffees and sweets that are wrapped in paper that we get at Christmas time. Uh-huh. Um, they're changing the wrapping, so they always used to be transparent, coloured cellophane wrappers, and now they're going to yeah. be opaque cellophane wrappers but they're but because they? the but because the <laughs> opaque stuff is more recyclable than the see-through stuff so it's ruined you know the the whole of everybody's childhood nostalgia 
Yeah, might yeah. as well just cancel. Yeah, fundamentally, yeah. they have. That's it. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. know, woe betide the the advertising campaign on the TV. It would just be awful. It's just going to be horrible. <laughs> In what is becoming a little bit of a running gag, I did see on Twitter someone say, "I, I see the Italians have made Mussolini a woman now. This woke shit's gone too far." <laughs> 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 excellent yeah oh yeah because that's going to happen on christmas day they're going to get a man to read the queen's speech aren't they oh man uh-huh. it's all yeah. gone horribly downhill so, yeah so and that's because so that's you see because we're not right wing that's funny whereas that's actually yeah. policy statement from the republicans and from uh-huh. the tory party that's that's just central to their tenor as their political stance yeah this woke shit's gone too far and we're all just laughing our faces <laughs> and they go it's not funny uh-huh. why are you laughing no it's it's just, it is just funny and that's yeah so speaking of things that aren't funny what occurred but yeah which is just brilliant isn't it oh, oh there's so so many things <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing that kicked this off this week, really, was the fact that the Library of Congress are brilliant, um, just in so many ways. (laughs) And one of the brilliant things they did this week was give Lizzo a 200-year-old crystal flute to play because no one knew that there is a flute section at the Library of Congress. No one Mm -hmm. had heard of this thing. It's not like... You know, okay, yes, maybe there were some flute purists who had heard of it or Library of Congress nerds who were aware this existed. But for the the most part, nobody had ever heard that that there was a flute section at the Library of Congress or that they had a bunch of different flutes or that one of them was a 200-year-old crystal flute that belonged to James Madison. This is all new information and it and the reason we know about it was because they gave one to Lizzo, who is a fantastic yeah musician as a whole, but flautist yeah. in general. She's yeah. classically trained. She kicks and ass that, in and so I many ways. I didn't know about um, the classical flautist training bit. That was that was an absolute revelation oh, for she's, me. She's so, brilliant. Yeah, so hearing this, yeah. hearing the well, both the rehearsal bit and the bit that she did when she was. Yeah. yeah, the show she did at the yeah. Library of Congress was amazing. Um, and then she only played a few notes yeah. on it at her concert in DC, yeah. I think it was, that day. But was, like, really enthusiastic about it, and everyone cheered, and it was all very exciting, and she kind of raised the profile. And, and uh, you know, Library of Congress have said, lots of, lots of new people have been kind of following us on Twitter and listening to us and talking about the things that we have. And... Um, and so they, it was great, mm. great publicity. But the fact that a yeah. black woman who is very Democrat, who um, was, was playing exactly. a slave owner's yeah, flute, yeah, yeah. Yeah. seemed to be a negative mm. for some people. Yes. Largely yes. bigots. Yes. White bigots. <sighs> it, it, yeah. Republican yeah. bigot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. redundant, yeah. really, isn't it? But... Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I honestly, this is one of those things that I look at and I I thoroughly enjoyed, yeah, watching her do it. I like Lizzo as anyway, but but it was great. It taught me stuff. It was an interesting and useful piece of media because I I learned yeah. things and yeah. enjoyed it. I I this is one of those things I just can't 
I don't get the the other side's reaction. I kind of I can see why they they can claim to be upset about something like a black aerial. Because Ariel in the Disney film in the 90s was white. They're obviously stupid to be angry about. It's yeah. laughable, yeah. the arguments they make about, you know, how scientific yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. white and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It's stupid. But this thing, I, ju- I, I don't... I, I struggle to begin to understand why they're even yeah. angry about it, even from their yeah. perspective. It's just a woman playing a flute. Exactly. But, they, but it's the wrong woman... And she's doing the wrong thing because so in her performance, she kind of twerked whilst playing the flute. And you think, <laughs> bloody hell, that's amazing that you can hold the pitch and the volume. And and because yeah. playing a flute is, you know, quite a difficult thing to do. You've got to hold it to your face and then blow a consistent note across it. You're not even blowing through it. You're blowing across it. You know, so just... Just trying to hold a milk bottle and get a note out of that whilst walking is quite difficult. So playing a tune and twerking, it's a bit like beatbox. I once saw a beatboxer who had a flute. So he was beatboxing the rhythm mm. and playing the flute at the same time. And Yeah, and, and I've seen think, that clip. It's amazing. That's bloody amazing. Yeah. What? So you just go... Oh my god, that's incredible! And that's it. That's all you need do is to just applaud the musicianship and the creativity and the dexterity and just the ability, and you would just doff your cap to that and go, "Oh my god, that's really good." Fundamentally, their problem is it was played by an educated talented accomplished overweight black woman who well who that's is not quite what cool. mediocre white man nick adams would have you right, believe right whose whose twitter handle his his well his twitter handle is nick adams in usa but his twitter name he puts in brackets alpha male after his name Okay. Which is always the sign of someone who is very secure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one that thinks he is that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says uh, Lizzo isn't talented enough to play music on a twenty-dollar Yamaha plastic recorder off Amazon, let alone a crystal flute once owned by James Madison. And then follows that up with the Biden administration is making a mockery of the country. Now I don't know why he thinks the Biden administration was involved in this at all. No. No, but but he's not using the evidence of his own eyes no. and ears. He's using a priori evidence from yeah. his own prejudices. So he's yeah. prejudging the situation. Classic, yeah. classic use of prejudice. Yeah, because he's just uh, going. She <laughs> she isn't talented enough to play a plastic flute from Amazon. Well, clearly. She is talented enough to play a crystal flute once owned by a slave owner. You see, that's the that's the thing. Fundamentally, what she's done, and the British tweets are really good because they're saying what she's done is grabbed Excalibur out of the stone <laughs> and is now the Queen of England. That's the equivalent. Yeah. That's the equivalent stuff. And of course, the you know the red-faced gammon white cricket fans 
in Little England over here would be going, if she'd have taken the sword out of the stone, obviously something defective with the sword <laughs> or the stone, or she's yeah. not got the strength to lift a cotton bud off the floor, let alone pull a sword out of the stone, when she's clearly done it. So, And now she's the Queen of England. Yeah. <laughs> and so they go, oh, no, we can't have that. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, mediocre white man Matt Walsh, who we right. will be talking about in our next uh, right wing YouTube yeah. um, uh, episode for patrons. Yeah. He's not an alpha, um, alpha male. He doesn't specify no. that he's an alpha male no. in his Twitter, but uh, he said it was simply desecrating American history just for the sake of it, which suggests he'd be okay with desecrating American history with a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. But not <laughs> yeah. just for the sake not of it. Not just for the sake of it. Yeah. Well, perhaps he wasn't. He just didn't feel like he was informed about what the reason was sufficient to be able to disagree with it. Because yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm reasonably sure he was one of the people who did not know that this was a part of American history before. Before it uh, happened, it no, happened, no, yeah. And I mean, I've learned from from this story and learning more now about the Library of Congress and their extensive musical collection. Yeah. It's not just flutes; they have yeah. all kinds of different things. Is that these instruments that they keep are all kind of regularly played and kept oh, okay. functional that is part of their purpose yeah. is not yeah. just to store these away and let them collect dust yeah they are they are to be used and to be part of an active active history yeah. i guess yeah. in a way yeah it's like like living a weird history. phrase yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. um yes it's it's it is to keep them alive and keep them used and and usable and so yeah this is this was i think a fantastic idea for them to do it and mm. and certainly had the positive impact that I think it was designed to have and probably the backlash against it helped with that as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is the Streisand effect all over, isn't it? Because yes. you think, well, who better to play a flute than a leading artist who could play a flute? Yeah. You know, if it was the 70s, it would have been... The guy out of Jethro Tull. Um, what was his name? Anderson. Yeah. My favourite tweet was from Jennifer Wright, who said, a lot of people are jealous that Lizzo can play the flute when they can only dog whistle. Yeah. Which I thought was very... Very, clever. very good. Yeah. Very good. And it's so, and it's so outrageously racist, <laughs> you know? And, and of course they will go, well, yeah, but you're calling me a racist. You're suppressing my freedom of speech going, yeah because what you're doing is at the expense of somebody else but it's not only right-wing bigots in the u.s no uh, we also have our own homegrown right-wing bigots in, yes in my home <laughs> county which is just because i read i had read this last week and was going oh my god we should we should so talk about this <laughs> and, and and we are and the so what's happened in 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 Hertfordshire, in which I live, the, I I live <laughs> in the capital city of, or the capital. It's not a city, but I live in the capital of, and the founder of Hartford, Connecticut, comes from my hometown of Hartford, in Hertfordshire. In Hertfordshire, people are getting up in arms, knickers in a twist, I guess. <laughs> Hertfordshire Library, so it goes across. There were several towns uh, in Hertfordshire, quite a big county, and they, each of them got libraries. 
So what they've done is they've introduced a new cartoon character to promote reading uh, for children, basically, sort of under fives. It's a it's a friendly, accessible cartoon character. Basically, it's a, it's a sort of lizard-looking thing. It wears a hat and dungarees with a star on the front, and it's kind of green. It's got ears, big eyes. It's it's an alien, and it's called Tala. Tala, the storyteller. But there's a particular Twitterer, Maya Forstatter, who has kind of... I don't, I don't know what, why she's doing it. I mean, she's not... We're in England, right? She isn't running for office as a governor for the Republican Party. She, as far as I can see, she's just a self-appointed... She's, yeah, she's a, a, an activist for the sake of it. Yeah, was it? I mean, do you get called an activist just because you're active? She's active. She's described in the um, Pink News article as mm -hmm. uh, a, an anti-trans activist who recently won an employment appeals tribunal case to have her so-called gender critical beliefs protected under the Equality Act. So she does. She is active in in getting her right to be offensive. In, yeah, her freedom, freedom to, of speech to be able to. to, to Shout out, criticise the idea of gender. Yeah. Um, you know, enshrined in law. Yeah, she's a kind mm -hmm. of, in a, in, I guess, is she, you know, without wishing to denigrate J.K. Rowling any more than we have to, is she, she's probably in that sphere of arguing about the rights of uh, trans people. I have no problem with denigrating J.K. Rowling as much as in, that, in that regard. <laughs> Fair enough. So basically... Maya Forstatter, what she she tweeted, a mother with her baby daughter at Hitchin Library, rhyme time, aimed at naught to five-year-olds, messaged me. Bookstart Bear has been retired and replaced with Tala, misspelled, a trans bear with they-them <laughs> pronouns. I cannot express it all in quotes. I cannot express how upset I feel. Why do children need this? But Hitchin Library came back and just went... Yeah, yeah, just to confirm, Tala isn't trans. They're an alien. <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't specify they're not a bear. But they're no. not a bear either. Not a bear they're either. They're not a they're trans not a bear, bear. They're neither trans no, nor a bear. Trans. So no, basically trans, everything they said was wrong. <laughs> and the fact that... And then she tries to make it something about um, child protection because she's kind of then said so... so Book Bear, Book Start Bear, was actually a, a a man in a suit, so in a big a person big, in a suit, yeah, not necessarily. Oh, it might not be a man, no. yeah. But I think, yeah. But the notion was the Book Start Bear might have been male. It's a male bear. He's wearing a jacket. He's a male bear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so Book Start Bear, somebody in a suit, a bit like the per, what was the per, what was the when we worked at Channel Five, what was the cartoon? No, the children's series. With a blue bear. Oh, uh, bear in the big blue house. He yeah. wasn't blue. Oh, wasn't he? It was his house no, was no, blue. he was. His house was blue. But he was a bit. Yeah. Oh, bear was fucking brilliant. I used to love that show. Yeah. Bear in the big blue house. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Big friendly bear. All that kind of stuff. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. You kind of go yeah. fine. Did a, a brilliant episode called Bats of People Too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is all about go. accepting people for who they are. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the bats. As hard uh -huh. as we try, <laughs> the Maya Forstatter, her bat shittery is, is 
quite mm-hmm. I think it's quite difficult to accept in that she's I think she's a lone voice crying in the wilderness trying to make Bookstart Bear <laughs> a, a something to do with child protection. Yeah, I mean holding up Bookstart Bear as a paragon of feminism in some in a way. Yeah. Uh, of of you know accepting the 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 differences between the genders and and yeah. obviously i mean in case you're wondering the reason they've chosen an a alien. a an alien yeah. with no specific gender with they them pronouns uh-huh. is so that kids of all genders can relate yeah to this character yeah so that they are they don't have a a uh, nominally male bear. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The the four year old girls are like, yeah, well, you know, right. it's not like me, is it? Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a male bear. Whereas whereas Tala, anyone can feel, yeah, that that joke. represents me. I'd like yeah. to read like Tala. Yeah, and yeah, but but it's it's apparently essential that we know what genitals the yeah um the the mm. character that is teaching our preschoolers to read has yeah. and yeah. who they might fuck Where, if they were to do so. Whereas <laughs> it was quite clear with Bookstart Bear from the off that <laughs> although he was nominally a male bear, because Bookstart is obviously a man's name, Bookstart, Bookstart Bear, nominally a bear, Maya has said, well, because some kids would see that as a mama bear so they would be you know, identifying that it's a female bear. So therefore, they're already confused about what his genitalia are because it's normally <laughs> a male bear. They might think it's a female bear. Okay, which is it? Well, it's not important in that case, but it's very important with a much shorter, um, much more alien, somewhat friendlier, more identifiable with <laughs> a fucking huge bear. Yeah. You know, so she's tweeting now where does this infant brackets who takes <laughs> they them pronouns parents are told close brackets come from where are its parents did it hatch from an egg or was it born from a mama who looks after its interests and if you ask these questions she goes on to say you get the usual you are obsessing about genitals well, yeah, because why do you ask the questions? And interesting Who gives a that shit? She, interesting that she says you get the usual. Well, yeah. basically because you're doing the usual and obsessing about the gen- genitalia of somebody that's teaching of a, a character, cartoon character that's teaching your kid to read. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? And the and the yeah. and the best thing about British tweets. <laughs> More so than American tweets, somehow they're, they're slightly characterised differently. So they've got the the meme of this this kind of shouting Karen pointing, and next to it is the, is a little picture of Maya with, and underneath the shouting it says, "How do you sexually reproduce?" And there's a little <laughs> picture of Tala with a holding a little sign that just says "cope." <laughs> and then the the person tweeting said, "Get a life, will you?" You know, yeah. just get a fucking life. And then somebody else pointed out, yeah, it's also extremely unlikely that an alien would read English, have a library card for Hertfordshire libraries. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but guess what, right? It's a cartoon character for toddlers who can't yet read. And finally, it's, it's just worth a brief 
moment talking yeah. about the fact that it is now canon mm-hmm. and Republicans have discovered yep. that Velma is gay. But, but we always do we always that. Yeah, of course we always knew it. Everyone Whoa. always knew that. That <laughs> yeah. was never a question. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now that it now that it is in in a movie, because James Gunn, when he made the yeah, yeah, live yeah. action Scooby Doo, uh, said he wanted really to, to 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 <laughs> yeah. include yeah. it, and it was kind of watered down and watered down to the point where it was kind of barely yeah. noticeable at all. And then in the sequel, right. she even had a boyfriend. But in in the newest Scooby Doo movie, yeah. Velma has a crush right. on a girl. And and this is unacceptable to right. right-wing bigots because because again we are sexualizing beloved characters and apparently the fact that people might have crushes on people of yeah. the opposite gender um is not sexualizing cartoon oh, characters right. yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. That isn't a that isn't no. sexualization. So the fact that, but that having a crush Fred and on Fred and Daphne. Daphne were getting it on. I, don't, it's I, always don't, I mean, it's always implied. It yeah, it's always kind of, they always go off together, don't they? But, yeah, so I always uh, thought Fred was gay. Yeah, I've always assumed. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the yeah. cravat, I think. Uh, yeah. One of the, the right-wing guys on Laura Ingram's show, Raymond Arroyo, yeah. Christian author, was saying how, you know, these, this is utterly unacceptable that this is happening. Yeah. It's disrupting beloved characters. And and anyone suggesting that it's kind of always been a bit of an undercurrent there is ignoring the fact that these characters were based on The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, which was a 50s sitcom. Right. Uh, which is true mm-hmm. that they were based on those characters, but that ignores the fact that there was a bit of an undercurrent in Dobie Gillis. <laughs> I watched Dobie Gillis. Right. And Bob Denver's character, Maynard, who Shaggy is based on, okay, yeah. was was pretty clearly a druggie right in in this 50s but it was it was an undercurrent because yeah. it was 50s american network tv yeah and 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 obviously shaggy is supposed to be a a, a hippie constantly on drugs yeah isn't he exactly yeah. obviously yeah. that's what scooby snacks yeah. that's are what scooby all snacks about are. yeah <laughs> running around so so the suggestion that because this thing was based on a 50s sitcom and it's a 60s, you know, youth-oriented cartoon means that you can't have any slightly more subversive things in it yeah. is is clearly bullshit. Yeah. I don't think but... anyone can genuinely have ever watched Scooby-Doo and not think Shaggy is is smoking weed. Yeah. I mean... Exactly. Never. That's definitely a thing, and yeah. so why like why Dylan not in the magic roundabout? Yeah, absolutely. We all knew he was off his so place. why not yeah. Velma being a lesbian as well? Yeah, that's and the that's... fact that that that's the thing it's haven't grown people got better things to do than to appeal to some sort of dodgy genetic fallacy based from nineteen sixty nine. Apparently it's a, not. It's a, it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon. I mean, it, it's you know, it's it's crap animation. It's it's animation by numbers. How dare you, sir? <laughs> you know, they run past when they run down the corridor. They run past the same stuff all the time. You know, that, it was a it was a reference right, to the right. to how the Flintstones ran. Right. Yeah, but the Flintstones was crap animation <laughs> as well. You know, it's not Tom and Jerry. It's not you know, 
handcrafted. It's it's churned out because they had to put out loads of like the Simpsons crap animation. Same thing because they churning it out over and over and over go thousands of things it's the story the central story that became the important thing and not the art of the animation that was the tom and jerry i mean let's face it in, the, in scooby-doo it was mostly the musical interludes that were the yeah oh, exactly yeah. The, the story was this exactly the exactly same every the same. single it would episode. be the person you know so, if it wasn't for yeah, the meddling kid old guy who ran the water slide yeah exactly but, yeah. Right, yeah, with a mask and you go, oh, you're all along. Yeah. How do you manage yeah. to change your body entirely when I pull my pull the mask off your face? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that but that the fact that so what it is is that these people have grown up with it in a right wing environment. So the people that are moaning about it are people of our age that watched it when they were kids. They've grown up in a right wing environment with a certain set of beliefs and values and they have um, formed an opinion about what those characters are like when somebody and who they fuck and who they fuck (laughs) and what their genitalia looks like and who and when somebody comes along and has a different opinion because they grew up in a different environment with different values or are 25 years younger, and then just go, oh, yeah, that'd be funny. Let's do that. Let's reinvent that. It's like when nobody complained when they reinvent. No, lots of people complain when they reinvented <laughs> the jigsaw hazard. But, you know, yeah. you can't. Well, I did. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that whole Heresy. thing of it's, yeah, absolutely. Can't get <laughs> Don't get me started on stuff much. <laughs> Don't even go there. You know, so that's what that is. That illustrates my point is because you, you grow up with these particular yep. memories and nostalgia for based on your particular upbringing and values therein. And if something challenges those, you then go, oh, I didn't know that. Ah, that's a different point of view. Well, you do if you're a right-thinking kind of person. <laughs> but if you're, if you believe that you, your opinion and only your opinion is the right opinion, yeah. then anything else becomes heinous sedition. It's a weirdly fragile point of view, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. For people yeah. who accuse others of being snowflakes, yes, the mere yes. concept. That the that a that cartoon character from their childhood. She doesn't exist. It's a <laughs> drawing on yeah. acetate. She doesn't so, exist. Yeah. The idea that 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 person has a different sexuality than you assigned to them in them. your mind yeah. is destroys your way of life. Yeah. It's weirdly fragile. Yes. And finally. Some things we really don't have time to talk about. So far, none of Herschel Walker's many, many lies seem to have had any impact on his Georgia Senate campaign against Raphael Warnock. But that's probably because while Republicans claim to care about the things he lies about, like law enforcement, running businesses and family values, all they really care about is getting back into power so they can oppress women, minorities and poor people. But Herschel's testing that to its absolute limit now by lying about the one thing Republicans claim to care about pretty much more than anything else, abortion. Walker is strongly against abortion with no exceptions at all. 
Well, maybe just one exception, which would be if it was his girlfriend having the baby. <laughs> That's what a woman alleged last week when she claimed Walker not only encouraged her to have an abortion in 2009, but paid for it as well. Herschel claimed this was a flat-out lie and he didn't even know who this woman was. The woman was surprised about that since she's the mother of one of his secret children, one of the ones he's already acknowledged after initially lying about. In fact, she says he tried to get her to abort that child too and ended their relationship when she refused. It's not just her word against his, she's bought receipts. In this case, a literal receipt from the abortion clinic as well as a personal cheque and get-well card signed by Walker. Not to worry, though, Republicans don't really care about abortions, so it will have no impact on his campaign. As right-wing radio host and former NRA spokesman Dana Loesch said, I don't care if Herschel Walker paid to abort endangered baby eagles. I want control of the Senate. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so you're trailing in the campaign for governor of Michigan behind Gretchen Whitmer, and your funding's a little on the low side when it comes to making a video for a TV ad. Jim and I are no strangers to low-budget, high-concept, high-production-value-style video work that appeals broadly, connects at a personal level, and, frankly, opens hearts and wallets. So what we wouldn't recommend is getting a bunch of non-actors to read badly from a script and then not editing out the big unnatural pauses between lines. Oh, and also don't ask awkwardly over-costumed edge-of-society bikers to be representative of all disaffected Republicans. Geriatric bikers at that. Oh, and and then don't have them say things that they seem to be very uncomfortable about saying, like they're not exactly true or something. But hey, what do we know? When it comes to voting for, as the bikers describe her, the other chick, Tudor Dixon, it appears the old give my regards to Broad Street, is it Paul McCartney? Well, who are we to stop him spending his money in our direction? Video-making method has come into play. We'd also recommend to Tudor Dixon that if she's keen to illustrate how effectively this has attracted support and future funding, she shouldn't include a tweet from Jeff Timmer, former head of the Michigan Republican Party, who is now supporting the Democrats, which said, Tudor Dixon is not a serious person and calling her campaign shitty and amateurish is an insult to shitty amateur campaigns. Yeah, ouch. Better watch yourself at the screening down the clubhouse for the Hells Angels Michigan chapter, Tudor. Apparently not learning from Herschel Walker's shenanigans, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is walking an abortion-themed tightrope as the midterms loom into view. Back in 2019, Kemp signed a heartbeat bill into law, prohibiting most abortions in the state. This had the dual benefit of making him look cool among his abortion-hating GOP buddies, but doing absolutely nothing at the time, thanks to Roe v Wade still being a thing. When Roe got struck down, the law went into effect and it became clear just how many people there are in Georgia who think that's not great. So Kemp hasn't exactly been shouting about it on the campaign trail. The ACLU challenged the law in court and Kemp requested the hearing be delayed until after everyone's decided whether to keep him in the job or not. Last week, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney denied that request, writing... The state has filed a motion seeking to either cancel, not a term of civil procedure with which this court is familiar, or postpone the trial. The state has offered four reasons for this cancellation, which can be summarised as, we're really busy with other things, there are no facts in dispute, we don't know what the facts are in dispute, and you can't do what you're trying to do. The court's response, detailed below, can be summarised as, who isn't, there are, you do, and I can. The hearings will proceed towards the end of October. (laughs) (laughs) 
keen to employ what in itself sounds like the false dichotomy fallacy, Will Adler, Senior Technologist for Elections and Democracy with the Centre for Democracy and Technology, said of Big Hat, Big Head, Big Tash, Deep State, Big Conspiracy, Arizona Secretary of State Republican Q nominee, Mark Finchin's website. There are two possibilities here. One is that the Fincham campaign has incorrectly set its site not to be indexed. The other is that the campaign purposely set it not to be indexed, so Fincham could falsely blame the algorithm for his website not being indexed. Well, a third possibility is, of course, the very one Fincham is espousing on Twitter, that Google and the crooks in California refuse to rank my website in their deep state algorithm. Please share my website and link to it so the voters can see it. Adding the same day on big tech giant Twitter that big tech giant Google was deplatforming him, etc., etc., yada, yada, yada. Of course they weren't. Someone at Fincham's campaign office has set the code on the website to include no index, perfectly visible in the HTML, i.e. don't allow the Google search engines to index the site and thus have it not turn up on searches. In the software Fincham's team appears to be using, a person would have to click no on the option show in search results, Adler said, which seems like a strange thing to do when you're running a campaign, frankly. Stranger and stupider things have happened for sure, and building your entire campaign and Trump endorsement wooing on conspiratorial bogus claims of election corruption is one of them. So it's not surprising he would also make the bogus claim that his bogus claims are being censored. Bogus. As Bill and Ted would no doubt attest. And I'm not talking Clinton or Cruz. Back in episode 68, we talked about failing Occam's razor, which is when someone studiously ignores an obvious answer which fits the facts, often preferring a more bizarre or far-fetched hypothesis. It's always fun to find examples in the wild, but I was a bit surprised to find it in an article from NBC about the disparity in COVID death rates among Democrats and Republicans. The article describes a couple of studies which found that Republicans were dying of COVID in greater numbers than Democrats, and then includes the phrase but experts are still puzzling over why these differences exist. Are they? Experts in what exactly? The article touches on all the obvious answers, vaccine hesitancy and Republicans due to misinformation by their leaders, less mask wearing, less social distancing, living in counties with less lockdowns and so on, but seems insistent that none of these factors alone can account for the difference without ever seeming to figure out that none of these factors occur in isolation from each other. Honestly, we're two and a half years and over a million US deaths into this now. How are people still not sure whether taking it seriously might lead to not dying as much? Speaking of Mark Fincham, one of his promoters, Look Ahead America, finds him very supportable, including him in their grassroots efforts to spread lies about widespread election fraud during the 2020 election. In further pursuance of that... They are reframing those who took part in the January 6th insurrection and storming of the Capitol and have been charged and convicted of domestic terrorism and conspiracy to concoct a plan for an armed rebellion to shatter a bedrock of American democracy as hard done by political rallyists who are themselves being persecuted for merely supporting Trump and who deserve to be given as equal an opportunity as, say, people who didn't smash and maim and threaten to lynch public officials. 
we decided to create a Jobs for J6 programme to help connect these people to patriotic employers who are going to give them a chance, Matt Brainard, Executive Director of Look Ahead America, told Vice News. So, if you're looking to give employment to someone who actively and violently took part in threatening the lives of law enforcement officers and democratically elected representatives on the say-so of a petulant, aggrieved narcissist, then there's a website for that. Of course there is. Like there's a website for showing the resultant pictures of cats being put on a document scanner. Momentarily amusing, but I wouldn't want to have to trust my livelihood to one of the perpetrators. Speaking of people who can't seem to see the bleeding obvious right in front of their face, Trump's newest attorney, Christopher Kyes, managed to fuck up almost immediately by suggesting they cooperate with the DOJ and do like a double check to make sure Trump doesn't have any more of those pesky presidential records lying around. Kyes, who presumably ignored all the throat-clearing, elbowing and under-the-table shin-kicking in the meeting where he proposed this plan, was immediately sidelined in favour of attorneys with the ability to read a room. Coincidentally, the DOJ and the archivist have said they think Trump might have more records, and the FBI have been asking multiple witnesses about the possibility that Trump might have stashed documents at Trump Tower, his Bedminster Golf Club or one of his other properties. No word yet on whether they plan to dig up that part of the Bedminster Golf Course where they buried Ivana, but, well, I would. <laughs> In the last ten days or so, new Prime Minister Liz Truss and her Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng blew up the economy in Britain boosted the income of Tory-slash-hedge funders, happily shorting the pound like they knew it was about to happen. Blamed the Queen for the shitty state of the budget. She died, so I had to rush it. Blamed the Chancellor. It was all his idea, because he didn't get approval in Cabinet. Blamed everyone who disagreed with it, not being a shitty budget, as being the new enemy, the anti-growth coalition. Despite the UK's national debt when Tories took office being £1 trillion and now it's £2.4 trillion, which admittedly has grown. As a result of the 20 seconds of the Chancellor's speech announcing that £45 billion worth of unfunded trickle-down tax cuts, the actual Bank of Actual England actually had to intervene in order to stop Britain's government causing Britain's guilt tanking and thus impacting everyone's pensions. And interest rates went up. So now we all have to pay more for our mortgages as well as energy. But it's fine, because it's Putin's fault. And Kamid Kwasi Kwarteng has reversed the top rate cut, which was only £2 billion, so it's all gone back to normal. What are you worrying about? Except it hasn't, because now benefits and public services will be cut to pay for that. But that's fine because they don't contribute to Truss's definition of growth, and it's fine because Tory voters are still swallowing the line that Labour are the ones who can't run the economy. Also, new Home Secretary Cruella Braverman, further to the right than pretty Patella the Hun, wants to do the opposite of Biden and make cannabis a Class A drug to be able to arrest people rather than legalise it and make a shed load of money by taxing dealers. Unsurprising, perhaps, because this comes from the same cabinet that also brings you let's have a baby boom so we can replace the need for immigrants. Reductio ad Hitlerium or Hungarium dictatorium, anyone? And another question that occurs is if Elon isn't going to spend quite so much on Twitter, will he be building more passenger seats in his Mars-bound rockets? I'm only asking for a friend, no, many hundreds, thousands, several million friends. 
So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we used fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like all our wonderful new patrons we mentioned earlier, our strawman-level patrons Stephen Bickle, Schmutz, Mark Reichley and Abba R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman-level patrons Kaz Tui, Andrew Hauk, Max Beaver, and our top patron Lauren. Thanks so much, everyone, for your continued support. It's really very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.